like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Brooks Kincaid on the line, and he's EVP of Finance and Strategy over at Tide Rock Holdings. Uh, Brooks, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, so I'm excited to get into what you're doing over at Tide Rock Holdings and how you're helping your clients. But before we do that, let's get a little bit further into your background. So how would you get started in your career and in business? Well, I started off um, uh, combining the finance world with the entrepreneurial world. Started off in investment banking, working with high-growth companies in Silicon Valley, um, so mostly tech and and healthcare companies, uh, and after doing doing that for a few years, I uh, spent my time. I wanted to go see what a what a big company was looking like, and picked uh, picked what I thought was the best operating one I could find, and went to Google for for a few years. Did large scale strategic partnerships there, uh, and then decided to to dip my toes in the entrepreneurial waters. And after getting my MBA, uh, started a battery technology company. So took my, my lumps and, and scars in that industry, mm. uh, but sat on the side of, of being an entrepreneur and, and being ultimately on the opposite side of where I am now uh, in the position of, of presenting to investors and, and raising venture capital money and, and deploying that and managing that. Uh, so kind of had that holistic uh, background of touching, touching the, uh, the business experience from multiple different perspectives prior to uh, to ultimately uh, joining Tidrock, where I am today, and where we we focus on buying uh, lower middle market businesses. These are uh, kind of the typical profile would be a uh, a business doing uh, 10 to 20 million of revenue, one to five million of EBITDA, and uh, and really operating in in a niche sector where uh, where we can focus on on growing the business by virtue of sort of blocking and tackling. Um, and and really focus on on just growing that that free cash flow in a sustainable way. The profile would be you know someone who's that that mid 60s founder owners built business over 10 15 20 years looking for uh, an exit plan doesn't have a succession option and and we come in um, and help them sort of take that next step um, either directly into retirement or into the next phase of the company's growth and try to leverage my experiences on in the banking, corporate, and startup world to, to relate to those types of owners and help transact, uh, you know, as, as best we can. What are some of the challenges that you find these owners in your niche have? Because what you're saying, I mean, that, it's not an easy thing to accomplish. So somebody's been working on the business for, quite, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Sometimes they're at this certain level of growth, and either they, they're thinking about maybe exiting or that next level of growth. Um, what kind of challenges do you typically find with these? Yeah, it's a big, big part of our thesis is around uh, what we call artificial growth constraints. And we mm. see them in almost all the all the companies that we go after, um, mm. and they, they typically fall into a couple different buckets. One would be uh, would be sort of personnel related. So there's there's a certain personnel uh, that you can attract, retain, and afford in a company of of that size. 
uh, and and also just a, a company whose whose growth may have been uh, sort of tailored to a, a certain lifestyle expectation or desire of the former owner. And so, you know, if they ultimately then decide they want to grow to a new level, they're they may be constrained by you know by the the personnel they have in place or the functions that they just don't have filled. Mm-hmm. You know, frequently, we we come into a company and uh, they may have someone who they call the controller. Uh, but but that's not necessarily in line with what you know what we might expect a controller or a CFO to to do, and and they're they're held back by their ability to uh, to get more complex in their financial operations and and or responsibilities. Same thing in marketing or sales. Frequently, uh, a company will have uh, a really killer product or service, uh, so much so that they've they've been able to survive largely on people. Knowing who they, you know, knowing who they are, or passing on via word of mouth, uh, and so they've never had to really invest in or develop a, an, you know, a, a sophisticated sales and marketing uh, team or machine. Uh, and then you know, another another bucket of constraints that we will typically find would be in um, would just be in that sort of desire or. Uh, risk tolerance uh, aspect. So a, a closely held business by founder owner uh, may have the opportunity to grow with a with a client or customer, uh, but ultimately gets to a point where to, to continue that growth is going to require them taking on additional resources, employees, other uh, you know other responsibilities that they may not may, may not want to take on. They you know they've been doing quite well uh, at least from from their personal standpoint and taking on that additional risk or responsibility or overhead just doesn't sound attractive to them uh, despite there being a clear and present opportunity to to grow the business if they would take that on. And and so that those those break points are frequently where we will find where we're entering the business um, and someone has, has you know, left left opportunity on the table, but for very sort of understood, understandable and justifiable reasons. And mm-hmm. we try to come in as a as an institutional investor that sits at a lower level than the typical private equity investor would, would sit. We are more comfortable taking on some of the operational enhancement and improvement risks than maybe a, a financial engineering oriented or leverage oriented investor would sit. We get leverage our operating background to say, yeah, this is salvageable or this has real opportunity to grow from or or maybe it doesn't. You know, this is this is something that we, we don't want to work on because it doesn't matter how much sweat equity we put into it. It's mm-hmm. it, you know, it <laughs> it's, it's it may yeah. not never get better than it is. What are the type of um of companies or niches that you like working with? Um, so is there a particular market niche or um, size? Is it mid-market or what would give us a feel, a feel for that? Yeah, so it's definitely, uh, you know, in our parlance, lower middle market, you know, one to five million operating profit. And really our sweet spot would probably be in that two to three million, uh, mm-hmm. not quite to the point where you can easily put uh, leverage on it when again, you would start to compete and see multiple uh, sort of pressure in terms of the market uh, coming from other institutional investors where we play still a more value-oriented buy. Um, mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, you'll see market multiples today, people spending 8, 10, 12. If you're in certain SaaS industries, you could be uh, well north of that in terms of multiples of EBITDA. We don't play in that game. We're typically in, you know, in the sub-6 uh, uh, multiple range. And that's that's 
really tied into our desire and goal at Tide Rock Holdings to develop an investment a ret- an investment return profile that has a long-term equity growth component to it, but also a yield component to it. So all of our investors come to us largely because they're getting a current and regular yield out of the aggregate free cash flow of all the companies we own. And so when we look at making a new investment, we look at it and say, hey, is this going to be accretive to our pod or to our holding company? Add additional free cash flow that it, we can we can then distribute out to our investors, or is it going to be a, a drain? You know, we're going to have to overpay for this uh, in order to get you know a limited amount of, of free cash flow. So, outside of that, from an industry perspective, we're, we're pretty broad. We only do B two B, so we don't we don't do any B two C businesses. Uh, but within the B two B realm, we're we're quite broad. We would not consider ourselves a you know a focus on any one niche or one mm-hmm. industry. Uh, speaking of investors, what is your, um, you know, a lot of investors, a lot of potential investors listening to this now, um, what does your investor profile look like? What's the right type of investor and what what would be the, um, yeah, what's the right profile? Great profile. Uh, today, it's it's a mixture of uh, family offices, um, multi-family office, uh, high, ultra high net worth, and, and the business owners themselves. Um, so we have a unique, yeah, probably a bit too detailed to get into on this on this particular call, but we have a unique structure that allows us to work with the sellers of our company to, in effect, uh, postpone any, you know any any capital gains tax associated with effectively uh, diversifying their the equity that they have in their in their particular entity into the equity of our of our holding company or our pod and by virtue of that get access to all of our holdings and the cash flow that comes from it. Uh, so that that structure's proven to be quite attractive to a lot of the, the sellers that we work with. And you know these 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 sellers will by virtue of exiting your business uh, you know become high net worth in individuals and they find uh, the opportunity to uh, invest in and maintain the the uh, the pitch to their employees that yes I'm exiting the business but you know in a, in a way I'm still an owner of the business and I'm going to stay involved uh, psychologically and emotionally works out quite well and and you know a lot of the, the businesses or the transactions that we do. No, that's great. Um, so Brooks, if somebody is listening to this and they do want more information on Tide Rock Holdings, um, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, best way to reach out uh, is. Just via our website, very very clean and simple. Uh, if you reach out on the contact form, that ultimately get get in touch with myself, um, and you know we're, we're we're readily available and accessible. Uh, otherwise, you can always find myself on on LinkedIn, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm I would like to think I respond pretty quickly. Um, you know, and generally speaking, we're you know we're we're open to uh, to a variety of different relationships, both from an investor standpoint and then uh, you know we're also we would like to think that we're somewhat unique in both our model and positioning in the market and so people who are are uh, you know have leads on on potential deals uh, we're always happy to to take a look at those and, and see if there's something to be done. 
Fantastic. Well, hey, Brooks, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about your background and all the great work you're doing over at Tide Rock Holdings to help your uh, businesses, your investors, uh, and the business owners. So thank you for that. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes store, um, leave me some comments on that YouTube video. We launched that YouTube channel this year, Money Matters Top Tips. Give us a subscribe and give us some comments. Let us know what you're doing and investing. Um, and Brooks, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you.